Dan's Driving Double Feature presents 70's Friends of Frankenstein, Episode 8. I'm Dan, your host, and we cover in this podcast, we're going 1973, we're covering Blackenstein, we're covering Frankenstein 80. Then I, I switched those around last, we're gonna, uh, last time, we're going to start off with Frankenstein 80 again in this one, and then Blackenstein. And I guess like every five episodes we'll switch off. Um, so we are, what, where were we in Frankenstein 80? Oh yes, the, um, the guy missing all the fingers on the one hand except the thumb had been taken to a hospital, I think we met doc- we were about to meet, or we just met Dr. Schwartz, and uh, the guys were, EMTs or whoever were taking the guy in on a gurney, and uh, I, one guy, I presume was Dr. Schwartz, was standing there looking at the person, and someone walked out, looked at the guys with the man on the stretcher, and then looked at Dr. Schwartz and said, what do we have here? And then, you know, a you know, patient, and so I believe we're cutting right inside the hospital as they're taking the guy into surgery. So let us let us listen to uh, minute eight of Frankenstein eighty. Eight o'clock tomorrow. Right, Professor. Carl, I'll be all right. Don't worry. I don't need anything. I must just wait. I saw Professor Schwartz on my way in. You know, he has a new serum he's developed. And if he could use it on you, everything would be all right. You hear that? Oh, Carl, that would be wonderful. And everything will be all right? Yes. But what about your work? Doesn't the editor need you down at the paper? (laughs) No problem. We never finish. I'm now chief reporter. Crime news desk. Hello, Doctor. How are you feeling? Quite well, Professor. Very well. I don't feel ill, not sick at all. Doctor Schwartz looks like a mix between a um, some sort of dog, and a fun, cartoon character of some variety. I'm not sure. Maybe a cartoon dog, or something. I don't know. But I like Doctor Schwartz. He looks a, he looks a little wacky. He looks a little unkempt. A little like um, you know, once you create a serum. A serum, sorry. Serum? Serum? Hello, serum. Uh, once you create a serum that can stop any organs and transplants from being um, rejected, then, um, you know, why Why do you got to be, I mean, you know, time ain't going to turn your way, making you a person of the year or something like that because your hair is a little out of place. I do like Dr. Schwartz has these two doctors walking alongside him the whole time. They don't really say much. They, they, they walk very authoritatively down a hallway. Um, to be honest, they should have walked towards the camera rather than past the camera. Passing the camera just makes it like, hey, it, it looks a little less um, uh, urgent. I, I, think, I think what should have happened is they should have done like a um, camera should have been in the hall um, and just like uh, empty hallway just for a second and then the doctor and these two guys come around the corner and the camera starts backing up with them as they come towards the camera make give it a sense of urgency um, but instead you just you know it's cut from that outside shot where the guy with the missing all the fingers go I cut from that outside shot to just the shot of like these three guys who we haven't seen before walking by the camera so like, oh, hey those guys and uh, but when they come in the room with with Carl and his sister uh, whose name I didn't catch but uh, I'm sure she's great, and she's sick, um, and she uh, obviously needs some sort of organ transplant because uh, the the brother mentioned the serum, and you, and you, yes again, um, the uh, the you will recognize the actor in this scene. We'll talk about him. We could talk about him now. We could talk about him in the next 
minute. Um, you, I mean, you know him when you see him. Um, of course, they all have the, vo- the wonderful dub voices that we all know and love. His voice is a little weedy, kind of, in this scene. But uh, we'll t- I'll talk about it next time. I'll talk about it next time, because as I'm going on, on this, um, I like... You know, this isn't this isn't top tier Italian horror cinema of the time. I mean, 1973. You know, this is in the vicinity of uh, Four Flies and Grey Velvet and uh, Argento's Western, which I've never seen of you. Um, or um, what was Fulci making around here? Um, Don't torture a duckling, or was that a little later? I I didn't look up the year. Um, uh, Mario Bava was making somewhere around here. He was doing Twitch of a Death Nerve. We were getting like films like Torso and stuff like that, which were which were stylish and a lot of fun. This one is. Um, this one is more like the like the guys from um, Burial Ground made not, not not quite in the realm of like a Bruno Mattei, Claudio Fragasso. It's in it's in another realm. This is clearly in the same realm as as the first batch of films I mentioned. But it's just um, people aren't trying as hard. Like like I said with that that shot with the people just walking down the hall. You know you could have added and urgent you, you could have had it be less confusing because it apparently cuts from someone you thought i thought was dr schwartz looking at that body to a completely different scenario <laughs> and i don't even know yeah i think we will get um uh more with that guy missing the fingers but i honestly have forgot i thought we cut to something here with them working on him but I live and learn and so uh yeah so we meet the 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 guy and his sister and he's um let me finish you didn't let me finish, or, or the, there are a couple of those weird dubbing moments, especially especially that one. Won't they miss you at work? You, let me finish, or so he, the way he says it, like they may be chief reporter on the crime desk, and so that means you'll need to get back to work, right? Presumably, there's lots of crime going on. In fact, we know there's lots of crime going on because we saw a murder several minutes ago. So I I don't I I, I love that. Won't they miss you at work? And then he gives the reason why they won't miss him at work, which doesn't make any sense at all. Which 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 seems to give one the exact opposite, um, you know, sort of feeling. I I mean I guess he might be taking advantage of his sister because she's sick, some sort of organ failure. I guess she looks okay. She doesn't there aren't any um, IVs or anything around her. She just laid out in bed, sort of courage Camille, kind of looking lovely in, in the bed. Um, apparently has some enjoys circular conversations. Everything will be all right. Oh, wouldn't that be great? That would be wonderful. Is everything going to be all right? It's like, woohoo, where are we now? And the thing is, um, he seems to be speaking English, and as far as I can tell, I think she is too. So it's 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 not like, um, although although don't don't quote me on that. I'll, I'll check that again the next minute. But he's definitely speaking English. So they're dubbing, you know, his voice to the lines he would have said in English. But I'm I'm not sure. I imagine she's speaking English too. It's always tough with films like this because they are all speaking all their whatever languages they speak, and that can't have been easy to do. Although they made so many of them, it must have become very easy to do. So yeah, so she's uh, she's in a bad way, but he's trying to cheer her up. And the doctor's got the serum, and presumably he's going to begin to tell her that um, they can operate as soon as they get. Of course, that's what it is. As soon as they get the body part, and the body part is in the guy with no fingers there, except the thumb who is dying. Okay, that is it. That makes sense now that I'm saying it out loud. He hasn't said it yet, but that would make sense, wouldn't it? So anyway, um, how are you? No. Um, so yeah, that, that's the full minute we cut. To, I mean, I, you know, we start off with the the newscast of the the Schwartz serum and the the man with only the thumb, and then we cut to the woman being killed and her 
organ removed then we cut to an accident where we briefly see the hand without the thumb and then we cut to you know inspector checking out then the ambulance arriving now we've got this brother and sister talking about the serum which means it's something organ related that's a problem with her and the dr schwartz enters and we meet him we meet him fun there's a lot of stuff going on that you got to piece together here and it's um I mean, one of the things at the end of the day is if you if you watch like a murder mystery or something is a good murder mystery when you see all these things happen they should all register in some way and make some sense maybe maybe you'll watch something and the true sense of it won't be revealed until later but they also make some sense but there's something here about this jumble of these three four different things all happening at once in the first seven minutes they're sort of like what's going on could could this not have been told in an easier more streamlined more not intelligent um this is the way they chose to tell it you know you can you know tell those that you know there are only a limited number of story ideas and it's the way you tell the story that um differentiates it so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna denigrate the film for starting off in a confusing manner you know there's a there's a there's a doctor who's created a serum that prevents organs from being transplanted who uh, that have been transplanted from being rejected there are brother and sister who are waiting for some sort of organ transplant or, or like a kidney or a liver or something for her uh, before she dies there's a man who's missing all uh, fingers on his, on his hand but a, th- a thumb who gets in a terrible accident and there's a large bulky guy who kills a woman and removes an organ from her on a it's just not quite scream and scream again which came out around this same time right but it's not quite scream and scream again where you know scream scream again begins with what three segments or scenes and i'm forgetting what the the one in like the weird paramilitary the nazi type place the one scene with the jogger the runner who keeps losing his limbs and then i forget what the third scene is but it's like three completely disconnected scenes and then the movie begins proper and then you sit there when i when i used to write screenplays and such that was one of the things I loved doing. I wrote a screenplay called Epoch, which um, I was described as sort of my version of Twin Peaks, although when I wrote it, I'd never seen Twin Peaks. Um, but it begins with six scenes, ranging from a very short opening scene, which makes no sense at all until much later in the movie, to slightly longer scenes, to slightly longer scenes, with the sixth scene being kind of like an apocalyptic crash of two vehicles on a kind of cliffside road. Um, and then everything kind of fades out and the credits roll, opening credits roll, and then the movie begins proper. But the point of that was to give you like a half a dozen things where you'd sit there going, okay, what is this? What's that? Who is that? What's going, you know, you know like, like one of the scenes was someone like apparently getting their eyes tested, but there was something really weird about it. There was the crash. There was a, um, there was a, someone sitting at a bus stop getting murdered by a slasher type killer. There was a, jeez, I don't remember, it was so long ago. I want to say there was a strange scene with a bunch of necrophiliacs. And it was just, you just, you just see these weird, random um, scenes that, that didn't seem to connect in any way, except they were all set in the same town. And, um... Oh, and there was even there was even it, the the opening scene was was blackness, and it was two people talking about something, and then the second scene began in blackness because it was a guy with his eyes closed, his point of view, and his eyes would open, and you'd see the optometrist looking at him. So the first scene was in blackness, and the second scene began in blackness until the eyes opened, and you saw an image of a person with one of those eye light things staring right at you at the lens, and then there was the murder, then the car crash was the last one, 
there were six. So one, two, three, four. There were two others. I think it was the necrophiliacs doing something. And I forget what it was. But it's fun. It's fun to throw a bunch of stuff at people's faces and go, what's going on? Because in a murder mystery, everything has to make sense. But in something where you're going weird, like, like Scream, Scream Again, is, I, I think I took that from Scream, Scream Again, where I had just seen that. And I love the way that it starts over these three completely, seemingly disconnected scenes that somehow will, I want to watch Scream and Scream again. I've got the Blu-ray up there. Okay, I'm going to do that after we're done recording this. But um, I like that, you know, Frankenstein 80, I don't think is, isn't doing like Scream and Scream again, try, or what I was trying to do, which is try to set some big something in, in motion. Frankenstein 80 is a kind of sleazy, gross um, number um, that's still going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch, trust me. So so we're, I'll just end that here. We're, so we're with Dr. Schwartz, and he's talking to the sister, whose name I did not catch, but the brother's name is Carl. And uh, we'll leave it there and go hop to Blackenstein. And as I said, with Blackenstein, what, we start like 30, 40 seconds into the minute of the home video version. And in the... I'll, I'll check where we are in the video version. Uh, I'm sorry, the theatrical version of this, but the home video version, um, the lady whose name I've forgotten is, we'll find out in a moment, is sitting like in the front room of Dr. Stein's place and uh, Malcolm, who is his assistant, has gone to get him. So let us listen to minute seven of the home video version of Blackenstein. for the, the difference of the home uh, video uh, uh, version and the theatrical. All right, remembering that we're starting the home video at 40 seconds in, so this is technically 6.40 to 7.40 on there. And the uh, the theatrical, we're more or less starting uh, at the beginning, aren't we? Or are we starting with uh, around 20 seconds in? I forget. It doesn't matter. The um, uh, We're about one minute ahead on, on the theatrical version. Uh, the theatrical version begins... Uh, we, we begin in the vicinity of, of Winifred being taken to see Dr. Stein and the, the shot of um, um, the Virgin Mary statue with the uh, sort of Christmas lights uh, around her head. Um, remember, that was her big thing. She used to go up and down the street um, talking about her son Jesus with a bunch of Christmas lights around her head. And uh, no, no one figured out how she did it. It was, it was a miracle. And uh, that, that yeah, that's, that's the way. The, the home video minute ends with Winifred and Malcolm going to see Dr. Stein and kind of this zoom in on the on Virgin Mary and the uh, theatrical begins at that point and ends with them sitting down to dinner in that slightly weird room which we will talk more about later. Unlike the Frankenstein 80 minute where some stuff happened, this is basically Winifred sitting down, looking around the entranceway. I mean it's um, I mean I guess in some ways it's 
it's a pretty big entrance room but you wouldn't kind of know it from the framing where you see sort of the virgin mary and her shadow on the left the uh, little the little stool thing that um winifred sits down on, on, on the in the middle and the start of the staircase and the staircase swooping up behind her so sort of spiraling up behind her and it's i mean it's, when, when you think of like say the original frankenstein set in 1931 you know that that original entrance way now, granted, that castle wasn't in great shape. Then this ain't a castle. This is this is a, this is a mansion. Was that a castle or just a? Um, but but you like everyone would enter on the left, and then there was um, that huge um, staircase on the right that looked always always looked as you'd fall down it if you weren't careful. A little too steep, for my taste. But I feel like this is sort of the same kind of entrance room. You know, with like the 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 doctor will see you now, and then they take you into. I mean, that's exactly what it is. The doctor will see you now, and they take you into his giant lab. Um, the difference is, like I said, the way they shoot this front room, it it's probably a pretty large room, I would imagine. I mean, it's not like the um, entrance room to say the Beverly Hillbillies um, uh, home, but I would imagine there's more space than this. It just looks a little pokey right there like oh excuse me i'm just i was just going to leave the mansion oh i bumped into you again i'm sorry it was just there's not a lot of room right here <laughs> um but i mean i imagine if the camera were to tilt up we'd see a lot of stuff going on but for some reason there could maybe maybe whosoever mansion or, or home it was they used just you know they were like just use this spot you can use this spot okay let's decorate it with um you know um uh you know glam virgin mary and this little uh, settee or whatever and then then the stairs behind them and it's uh yeah it just it's 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 funny because even it looked pokey in the pan and scan 133 video version and it looks pokey on the blu-ray too it looks like it's a tiny space although you know when you see the lab the funny thing with the lab of course is that obviously the lab in frankenstein 1931 is one of the, like, the beautiful set designs i mean if you in history i think if, if you see if you see especially if you see it on the big screen i saw it on the big screen a few years ago in a double feature with bride of frankenstein it was a joy and um did i ever tell you that story about 10 minutes into bride of frankenstein and, you know all of us have been sitting there for you know over like an hour and a half and uh like this this elderly couple came in and it was like hey mervin what are we gonna do come on let's sit over here dear let's sit over and they were talking so loud we were all trying to watch the movie. It was like shh please the movie's on the air and it's like they didn't register that they were in a theater or something let's sit in these seats here okay we'll do this all right we're gonna sit here and it was so loud and of course obviously they sat in the row that i was in and i was i was sitting there thinking okay this is amusing but i really am trying to watch the bride of frankenstein and they sat there for like five minutes kind of slowly talking to each other a little quieter then all of a sudden the wife was like okay let's go and they got up and they left and we didn't see him again and i thought what <laughs> what the hell was that I mean, was it like, was it, I mean, I think they meant to go see Looper, but somehow they wound up in The Bride of Frankenstein. I don't know. It was just, it was just a weird moment, but regardless, whereas the Frankenstein 1931 set feels to me like an epic, gorgeous piece of production design, um, Dr. Stein's lab looks like, it looks like a warehouse, it looks like a consignment store for laboratory equipment or something. I don't know. It, it looks like 
we have a room this size. Let's try to put as much stuff as we can in it. And the Dr. Stein is doing his best, and he's got the microphone. He talks to Malcolm, who has the great voice. Dr. Stein, there is a Dr. Winifred Walker to see you. He's got the great, like, like I hired him because he sounds like he's in a horror film when he even says something like, could you please pass the Brussels sprouts? So, I don't know. <laughs> Malcolm, don't, don't, with the tone. I'm, you could. <laughs> could you? Uh, um, a guy came up to me on the street and said he hadn't had a bite in three days, so I bit him. You know, stuff like that. You know, Malcolm... <laughs> Malcolm's, Malcolm's comedy cavalcade. Uh, anyway, so so yeah, not, th- th- there isn't much. Um, we we see that Doctor Stein knows who Doctor Winifred Walker is because his face lights up when he um, he uh, he hears about her. And I'm surprised that uh, I I would have somehow I would have thought that um, we'll hear soon how they they worked very closely together. I would have she she seems so freaked out when she sits in the room next to the Virgin Mary statue and everything, and the music is playing so loud as if she is freaked out that I sort of think. Um, Huh, why didn't, you know, did she, was she never here before? Maybe it's a new place. I don't know. She hasn't been there for a little while. but Or maybe she just saw him at, you know, where she went to school or something like that. I don't know. But, yeah, that's that's the full minute. There's really not much to talk about in this. It's basically a woman waiting for someone to invite her into a room. Hey! I guess in the previous minute, uh, the Frank's and 80 minute, was a woman waiting for someone to give her an organ. And no, stop. Don't be like that. You know what I mean. So I guess let's leave um, the lit up Virgin Mary here and um, say goodbye to episode 7 of 70's Friends of Frankenstein. And next time, uh, Dr. Walker will see Dr. Stein for the first time in ages and we will learn a little bit more about what's wrong with that lady whose name I didn't catch, but her name is not Carl, in the hospital room. Thank you for listening, everybody. Check this out. (laughs) 